Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat the designer, Courtney Cronin, we're still reacting to what we saw from joint practice yesterday, and we got to look ahead to what we're going to see tonight. Courtney, how you doing? How do you like these evening practices out there? It's a nice change of pace. I know that you get so used to going 10 a.m. every day. You're done with practice about two hours into like the hottest part of the day at noon. Now it's you know, the evening time, it changes up routines for players. It changes up our routine, which is, you know, you've got like six hours to kill from the time that we're recording this podcast to the time that we go out to watch practice. And Indy does it right, man. Like, so when I was an intern in 2011, I interned for the Fox station in Indianapolis, camp was up in Anderson, Indiana. So not where we're at right now in Westfield. And I remember being out there and just like how cool the feel was where they had the stands um, for the fans to be out there and it had that like true camp vibe. They've ramped it up like times a hundred with what they have in Westfield. It's a really neat, compact, but really good. Like everybody's got a good vantage point. You can see both fields really clearly. And it honestly has that training camp vibe that I don't normally get at Hallis Hall. And maybe that's because we go to the same facility every day during the right. season and we're there during training camp. But the couple times as a kid that I went to Bourbon A, it felt more like what we're working with in Westfield right now than what I what I go to every day here and what I went to every day when I was covering the Vikings, when they were at their facility. So it's neat. Like it, it's, it's a true camp vibe. And I know this is you know, the last official week of training camp. So it's nice that you get to to cap things off that way. Well, love to hear that. I mean, it's it's good to hear that, that they've got the uh, the facilities right. Uh, now the question is, is our team playing right in said facilities? First quarter. Let's get it started off here in the first quarter, Courtney. Uh, very similar to yesterday, right? Like I said, the reaction to what you saw from Justin Fields. What were your thoughts on how that first team offense looked out there versus a different defense, not the same guys who apparently uh, aren't afraid to hit him during practice, which is kind of irritating. I don't like hearing that. Well, I think that might have been overblown. And when we talked with Cole Komet about it yesterday, like what was your perspective on it? Like, I think somebody might have fallen and it got Fields' ankle wrapped up or just something. It it, it wasn't malicious in intent. I actually think the Bears were doing more chirping on defense and, you know, laying down the boomstick a little bit. I mean, we know that Eddie Jackson hit. Like, I was watching it clearly and – you know, he went airborne. I mean, that's who he is, though. He's a ball-hawking safety. That's the version of himself that, you know, Bears fans wanted to see him get back to. Hopefully, he'll be practicing tonight. We didn't – we saw him leave the field. But, like, I thought the Bears, in in all honesty on defense, kind of brought that energy that the Colts had to match. But when it comes to fields in the first-team offense, there were some moments that were good. I mean, the – I go back to, like, individuals. There was a play where DJ Moore shook Kenny Clark – or excuse me, Kenny Moore in, is it Kenny Clark or Kenny Moore? I'm like losing tra- my trade of thought right now. Um, it's the court. They're, they're a really good cornerback for the Colts. Yeah. Um, shakes him in the middle of the field. It's like a route running pr- like clinic. It was just incredible to watch. And then he goes, he tracks towards the sideline and makes a one-handed catch 
to finish in bounds. And it's just watching that connection where Fields like knows that he doesn't have to be like, that's the one guy he doesn't have to be pinpoint perfect precision and accuracy on yet. It feels like every time he is and DJ Moore looks at, makes every catch look really, you know, like a perfect catch, but uh, it it makes every ball look like a perfectly thrown ball. But I, I mean, there were, there were takeaways like that that were good, but there were also from the first team offense, some moments during the two minute drill where, you know, they stalled on fourth down on the second time on their second attempt when fields, you know, was flushed out of the pocket, tries to throw on the run to hit Darnell Mooney and it's a pass broken up. But then like you go to the two minute drill before that one for the first team offense. um, And actually it was, it was the end of the move the ball period in 11 on 11. And Justin bounces back from like a couple, I called them nothing plays because it was like a run from Herbert. And it was like, you know, I think a screen pass that went nowhere. And then he hits DJ Moore over the middle of the field, which from my vantage point might've been a busted coverage, but still like, you know, you take, you take those chances over the middle field where you can get them. And then this ball, this deep ball that he unleashed to Valus Jones inside the five yard line was great for great for Justin, but also great to see Valus make that catch and, you know, haul that thing in. That was his second deep ball. So he had one earlier with the second team offense that he caught from PJ Walker and I was like, all right, this is a good bounce back practice. For It was a big practice for Valus Jones after the preseason game against Tennessee where he muffed the punt. And, you know, he's on – if there's a hot seat for players, he's on it because we're trying to figure out the coaching staff too as us media people are trying to decipher, decipher what his role is going to be. How do you fit? Can you actually be more of a piece on this offense and utilize your speed – to be that deep threat that we thought he was going to develop into when they drafted him. So to watch him get those reps with the first team offense um, and make the most of it on a drive that started out a little shaky, but finished really well. Um, I thought that was some, some encouraging signs, but you know, there were moments last night where it felt like some of the, you know, some of the ups and downs kind of, it felt more downs than ups uh, for Justin Fields, but Again, this is the first time they're going against another defense that's not theirs in practice. So you do get that extended period of time to see another pass rush, which right now does not have DeForest Buckner because he has that foot injury. So it's a weaker pass rush in, in theory, at least on paper. There's no, there's no unique Ngakwe in that pass rush. He's on the Bears. So they still struggled against it. That's what I'm trying to say. So I feel like there were moments that, you know, we're good, but obviously the ups and downs at this point are still to be expected with this unit. And here's here's my question for you, right? Does it feel like in-game moments, right? Where in a game, listen, you're not going to complete every pass going down the field. You're not going to sit there and just dice up a defense every single play. There's going to be moments where you do, moments where you kill them. Does it feel like that where it's like, yeah, you had a cut, like you said, a couple of nothing plays, but then you're able to make a play that in-game ends up getting you a first down, keeps the chains moving? Or does it feel like Justin Fields is actually struggling? Because some people are making it seem like, you know, Justin Fields had a horrible day. He looked bad. He he wasn't able to complete passes downfield. And, you know, every now and then he got one to go through. Yeah. I mean, it's still the ups and downs are still there. There's no taking away from what you see that there are some good moments. And there's also some moments where it feels like, OK, they're still trying to grow past a couple problem areas that, you know, that showed up a lot last year but like so when so after that like scuffle happened between the offensive line like of the of the bears and the defensive line of the colts like that was after the play 
to Valus Jones. And I felt like that really fired up the unit. Um, and I think it's something that you just try to track like happening in these joint practices, but I almost felt like it was okay. Like it was, it was, you know, protect your quarterback, all that, but also kind of the getting the energy out of, look, we got back on track. Like maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I saw it as not just we got to protect the quarterback. Nobody hits our quarterback. I get that. But there's all, there's this pressure on this unit to have to get it right and to have to put it together where you're completing, uh, completing drives in the two minute drill and not stalling the way that they did at the end and that you're making Justin look good and you're making and you're you're hoping that Justin can stay in the pocket can be back there with you know and not tuck and run there were a couple moments early on in 11 on 11 where he there's a overthrow to Mooney which yeah. was it was a bad ball and he he went like this like he hit his elbow like I didn't see the angle of his elbow getting hit but it's like, all right, well, was there something mechanically you were doing wrong there with the angle of the throw that could have been changed? And then there was a pass before that that was tipped by Equinemius St. Brown into the hands of a safety. And it's like, all right, well, what happened on that one? So there's still those moments, and that's going to happen during training camp. And I don't honestly think, Pat, that those are going to ever go away because there's still – these are still new plays. You're still trying to get the timing down with your receivers and you're going against a defense that's going to be a little bit more willing to go after you. Like your defense won't because of it, just the nature of it being a joint practice in another team. But I, I don't feel any different about this offense and that's not a bad thing. I still feel like they're in the growing process and I think what you hope to see, and we'll hear from Matt Eberflus tonight, and hopefully there's the plan, at least comes out, like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Sounds like when I asked him on Monday that he will play yeah. in this season game. It's just a matter of two series, one series, three series, who knows? He needs these reps. I think that, that that's my biggest conclusion. I don't care what anybody says about the preseason. Justin Fields in this offense needs these reps. They need them in the pre in the joint practices, and he needs them in – in the, in these games, he, he, bar none, he needs these reps. And I think that the bears know that too. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny, right? Because they end up dropping the 1920 drive today and, and check that out on uh, YouTube as well for on the Chicago bears uh, YouTube channel page. But like you hear them talking about the importance of the offense. This entire episode was built around the offense. And so you hear them talking about, right? Like, our mindset needs to be this is perfect first time. We're, we're going through and we're getting this done. And we have so many reps involved in this. Like you said with the preseason, right? We have so many reps already in place that it's natural to us. And, and that was one of my main takeaways that, you know, Coach Flus isn't shying away from the fact that there's a long way to go here. Mm-hmm. And he's putting his players in a position to go out there and have every opportunity to say, no, we've done that before. We've seen this situation and I feel like, right, like going up against a different defense. That's why I think, you know, I I asked J-Mac yesterday and I asked Lance Briggs earlier this week, how important are these joint practices? It seems like you're getting more out of this than you get out of the actual game. And you get these moments like we're talking about today where, you know, Justin gets to go through his ups and downs. Yeah. And you got to be able to you have to be able to go through those because not everything's going to be perfect. And of course, what we see in these training camp practices are a lot of do-overs. Like we've, I mean, yeah. especially back at Hallis Hall, because Matt Eberflus is the one. <laughs> what's a sack? What's not? And of course, there were a couple sacks in there last night, and that's going to happen because I mean, it happened for Anthony Richardson too. But yeah. I, 
those do-overs and those situational things that they just keep harping on, you're not going to get a do-over in a real game. And that's why you have practice to be able to like key in on those things. Yeah. And I'll just say this because, you know, we're, this is yesterday's practice 15, I want to say. So today's practice 16. JJ Watt had a tweet out last night. I need everybody to pay attention to because it was talking about, you know, how people be tweeting about, um, like one-on-one raps and all oh, this guy won the rap and like yeah, 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 yeah. All those things like I'm going to read you this tweet. Cause it just was so perfect. It says quote, love seeing footage from NFL training camps, but can't stand accounts posting videos of one rep ver- from one V ones and making outlandish statements. A one V ones are for working on your craft and new moves. B literally every player wins and loses reps every single day. One rep tells nothing. Like I need to drill that point home. Like to infinity. Because that's what we see every day out there. And I know we were talking about fields yeah. and this kind of ex- extends to, you know, wow, he hit seven guys in a row during one-on-ones. Oh, yeah. Cause look at how, look at the cushion the DBs are giving them. Like that doesn't tell you anything. And I feel like there's something with that too, when it goes to the offensive line, defensive line reps. Wow. You know, this, you know, Jatari Carter in place of Nate Davis, man, he was really doing this or he was doing that. Like you can't, take i mean you can tell strength versus strength head up yes but those are moments for pass rushers like a jervon dexter who's been working with unique and gakwe to try that swim to try that uh, cross chop to try all of those things that maybe he doesn't have in his repertoire and everyone's doing it on every single team so i just feel like you know we're three weeks into this 15 practices down like it's it, it is what it is at this point and it's not it's not that you can't take anything away from it, but like the overreaction, I feel like in certain elements, like just kind of needs to be put to bed right now because yeah, they're still going to, even four weeks from now, there's still going to be some bad days from the bears offense. I promise you. And that's going to be in games when it really matters. It's did they do enough situationally this summer to hone in on, Hey, if this goes wrong, this is our fail safe. If, if fields is having, you know, if Fields can't get the deep ball going and he's trying to find DJ Moore and, and you know the routes are not forming downfield, what is yeah. his fail safe? Is the running back there in the flat? Is it Roshan Johnson? Is it Deontay Foreman? Is it Cleo Herbert? Whoever the hell it is. Like finding those things, that's what you use these six weeks of camp that you have for, not having a polished product by the time that it's over, especially for a team that's in phase two of this rebuild. Like it's not going to look pretty every single day. Especially yeah, and- it's another team. Yeah, and I think that's the point, right, where it's why I, I look at the 11-on-11s. It's why I look at the ups and downs, and I say that's how NFL games go. Mm-hmm. And my biggest thing is how's Justin Fields bounce back from it? How does the first-team offense bounce back from it? Heck, we talked about Valus Jones a little bit. How does Valus Jones even bounce back in those situations where, guess what, your back's up against the wall, you have to take an opportunity. And I think we're actually seeing that on offense and defense. That's something we haven't seen before from Chicago Bears teams. Remember, with Mitch, it was just a lot of bad days compounded with bad days. We would come out of camp and we'd be like, yeah, he, he hit Allen Robinson over the middle, but the offense didn't look much better. I can't I can't tell you the amount of days listening to ESPN 1000 where JD would come in and be like, guys, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we were last year at this time. It's like, all right, like kind of grin and bear it if you're a member of this team because it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. You can easily say, if you've watched one training camp practice, if you watched, you know, all of them, that yeah. – 
it's it's not where it was last year. And that's obviously like the very bare minimum, but that's a very encouraging sign that Fields is showing that growth. But, you know, seeing him against this team today, I, you know, I, I'm curious to see when we do whenever whatever the situation period is, because that was the same for both teams last night. The offense was down by four. It was one. 12 or 121 left on the clock, no timeouts. And to watch the offense, you know, he get, he gets flushed out of the pocket and he's trying to do what he did last year, which is make those plays on the run. It's just that it was, a, the ball wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a well-thrown ball and it wasn't, yeah. it was a well-covered play. Like those things are going to happen in games. How do you rebound from that when it is a do or die situation at the end of games to go win it? Um, and, and they practice that a lot. So some days you win those, some days you don't. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully we get more wins than losses. That's all you're trying to compound together. Let's keep this thing moving along as we head here into the second quarter. Second quarter. Do want to let you guys know the second quarter is brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. See Gypsy Kings featuring Nicole Reyes on September 29th at Hard Rock Live. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Courtney, we focused a ton in on the offense here, but a real question that I think a lot of Bears fans have, what did we see from the defense? We heard that they were laying the boom. We heard that they were chirping. We heard that they were doing all the things they were doing versus the Bears offense, but now versus this Colts offense. But we also heard that young Anthony Richardson might not be as far behind the eight ball as a lot of people think. He had a really good practice yesterday. I came away impressed. And this is my first time seeing him up close. I didn't, I didn't see him at, I didn't see him in any games at Florida. I mean, obviously I watched them on TV and you got such a mixed bag where, you know, they start out the year, he beats Utah and then he falls off a cliff. Like, and I think that it's okay to have that belief. Hey, this guy might be a project this year, but also still understand why the Colts are doing what they're doing. And making it clear they did this for a number of reasons you don't let him go this whole week taking the first team reps and still have like either or on the depth chart between himself and Gardner Minshew there's too much speculation like nip it in the bud name him the starter and start tailoring everything you're doing to him offensively that's how he's going to grow and they have to get this right there's a lot of pressure on this front office for last five years it's been a lot of bad at the quarterback position in in Indianapolis and they've gotten it wrong so I think to see the promise and God, he can, he can throw a strike. I mean, some of those throws were darts yesterday when he's, you know, looking towards the sideline, finds Michael Pittman, finds um, Alec Pierce. Like there's, he's got a really strong arm and that athleticism, like his relative athletic score. I was, we were talking about this last night. It was, I mean, it was higher than Cam Newton's and Cam had one of the highest ones coming out of college, but I think it was the highest ever for a quarterback. And you see that in real time. The guy is a freak of nature in terms of the physical build and also what he can do with his arm. But Mm -hmm. the Bears defense, you know, missing a couple pieces, but also getting a couple pieces back. Like Demarcus Walker, uh, when we were talking with Alan Williams about him yesterday, he said that he didn't really have like too much of an eye on him, but he felt, you know, he saw him an individual and he feels like he's ready to go. Yannick Ngakwe is clearly up to speed. It's just like, when are they going to want to unleash him um, at all in the preseason? I mean, you'll see it, but it's not, I don't know if, I doubt he'll play. I really do because right. Luce was kind of hedging on that earlier in the week. You know, guys six, seven years in, it's a different case versus a young player like a Justin Fields. But I... I think the Bears defense yesterday, I came away impressed with the secondary. I really did. And they're missing pieces right now because 
Um, Eddie Jackson had to go out yesterday. Jaquan Brisker is doing a lot of trash talking from the sideline, not in the game. I can tell that he's really chomping at the bit to get back out there. Yeah. But they were they were cover they they were good in coverage yesterday. And I think even just like the semblance of, of what a shell of a pass rush looks like now when it was going against their own offense. Um that's what I'm going to be zeroing in on because I remember asking Kyler Gordon about it yesterday. You've, you know, had this improved pass rush now throughout camp. Can you tell that it's making your job easier? And, and he said, yes, like it's going to help them on the back end because the quarterback's going to have to get the ball out. And some of the throws that Anthony Richardson made, there was an overthrow that Eddie Jackson picked off. I think that one was, um, that was one that was in seven on seven. I caught that one. And then of course the, the big uh, hit that he had on Michael Pittman later you know, there's there's some there's a physical edge on this defense that I feel like they want to play with that might not have existed last year. Does it? Uh, did we get any update on Eddie at all? I know he didn't leave the sidelines. I know they're also not going to tell. You know, is, is yeah. he going to play or not? But like, it, it, any any update on Eddie, or did you see anything that made it seem like he was going to be out for all, for a, a little bit of time? So I watched that play happen, and then I'm following him on the sideline with my binoculars, and he looked like he was like. Like he looked like he was shaken off. Like there were moments he's kind of like, gosh, like you could just tell like a guy, like, man, that like stings or like just trying to shake off the pain, but he didn't, he didn't go into a medical tent. He was supposed to talk to us last night, but that was a late switch to Roshan Johnson. So they don't typically let injured players talk. So you might infer that he might not have been feeling his best after that. But Alan Mm -hmm. Williams did say that, you know, until he's told otherwise, and he wasn't told anything immediately with Eddie Jackson. I mean, it was a heavy hit, and you could hear it. And that's just like the only thing you'd be worried about, like from something like that, would be lingering effects, potentially concussion-related symptoms. You hope he doesn't have anything like that. But we'll see tonight. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they've been cautious with Eddie. Remember, like he had the Liz Frank injury, and they brought him along at, the, at a pace they thought was very intentional and smart this off season. But I, I would not be surprised. Like if there's any sort of risk, if they feel like he might've, you know, like, and we won't know if he had a concussion or not. I mean, Flus will talk tonight, but then we can ask him. But if, if Eddie Jackson's not out there, I imagine it's something that like, they're just like, we need to play this a little bit safer. Like the hit you yeah. took last night, we can't afford to have you get another one, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see because he didn't go back in after that. What's, protocol, what's protocol for concussion in in practice? They don't have to check. Do they have to check you right away if they think uh, you've got concussion symptoms? Or so he didn't go. There was no medical tent for him to go into, or at right. least he didn't go to one. So like it could have just been it was a really hard hit. I got the wind knocked out of me. Let me shake this thing off. Or it could be that they evaluated him for a concussion afterwards. We haven't heard anything right. yet, but. I did not see him get any sort of medical attention on the sideline when I was there. Outside of uh, Eddie Jackson laying the boom, was there anybody who stood out to you on the defensive end of things that, uh, you know, you, you came away like, okay, we might have something there as well. I mean, we're, if we're, if we're getting in that physical edge, trash talk, all that stuff. I mean, Ty- Tyreek Stevenson, I wrote about him earlier this week. I think he's come a long way and we knew that he was going to be good because he's a second round pick. They traded up for this guy because they didn't think he was going to be there at 61. So they move up to 56. Like, and it's also a matter of Terrell Smith on ice. He's hurt. So I think that this is a really strong opportunity for a player who had some self-admitted slip ups in, in, you know, his technique and in, you know, just being a rookie. 
Um, he's really taking the bull by the horns here and trying to like make a strong push that would leave the coaches to not consider anybody other than him for that CB2 job. And he's done a really good job of that. He tracked down the gunner on, um, on punt yesterday and he, he, he laid a pretty big hit on, I think it's Tony Brown. Who's the, the gunner for the Colts. Um, it's funny watching him. And I know that there is that line that they don't want to cross where it's the extra stuff after the whistle. And Alan Williams will be the first one who won't like, won't stand for any of that. Like, cause we'll ask him like, well, is it, you know, do you want him to pull it back? Do you have to like, teach him about things? Like we want to let players show their personality, yeah. but there is that fine line that you don't want to cross. He hasn't crossed it yet, but like, I think with a rookie and somebody with a position that you have to play with that swagger and, cockiness you don't want it to trend into an area where it's like costing your team if you get penalties anything like that because the first time you get one of those like that's that takes away the s in uh hits principles which is playing yeah. smart um yeah. so 100%. They, they they won't stand for that but i mean gosh like he's been it's been all over the defense he's super active i think this really helps what kyler gordon is going to be this year for the bears. It, it's a good sign that they landed this cornerback pick. Um, and it feels like they, they, they really like got it right with Tyreek Stevenson. That was probably my other big takeaway from yesterday. As we uh, get ready to keep this thing moving along, favorite part of the show, the half time segment, because there's always something fun at halftime. We can talk about anything during halftime and Courtney got to ask you, what are you doing down there? It's Indianapolis. Is there yeah. something that's going on over the next six hours that you've got planned? Like that's the spot. It's actually okay. So I lived here. So I went to IU for college. I, you know, spent four years in Bloomington, spent a lot of time in Indianapolis. And then I lived in Indy for 10 months out of college when I interned at the NCAA. So coming here for me is always like coming home to a degree. Yeah. I have a lot of people that still live in this area and my day has oddly been like packed with, you know, you're, this is, this is for a beat writer. It's kind of like peeling back the curtain when you have these road trips and you have time to kill. It's not like it, there really aren't as many hours as you think. So like I'm working ahead on some features, I'm, you know, making calls for interviews, checking in on some things and the time really goes quickly. And so I have, once you and I finish this, a friend of mine is a is a journalism teacher at a high school in Brownsburg, Indiana. So I'm going to go speak to his students. And then, you know, uh, by the time like all of that's done, it's going to be time to go back to practice. So it's we, we went to a cool brewery last night after practice. That is the nice thing about being done, you know, nine o'clock. Like it's yeah. kind of, you know, you're not ready to go home at that point. And Indy's, Indy's a fun place. Like, I mean, there it's, we're not downtown, so it's not the usual combine shenanigans, but we're out in Carmel. So it's a little slower pace up here, but it's fun. And it's a, you know, it's, it's just like, it's kind of a nice for us too, a nice change of pace from like the day-to-day -day grind of being up at Hallis from, you know, nine till about four every day and then going home. And I, and I like it. Like this is my second I'm trying to think third this is my third joint practice so I covered one with the 49ers back in 16 or 17 I covered one with Minnesota when George Payton took that job to become their GM he was the assistant GM um in Minnesota and they went to the Broncos and then this is my third one haven't seen any crazy fights I mean I've heard the stories and I just feel like maybe 
I don't know, maybe we're due for one. You obviously don't want to, I mean, that becomes like chaotic when stuff like that happens and you don't want guys to get hurt, but you, we've seen some pretty, pretty epic fights over the years. So like, I feel like you, it's like you always are prepared for that with joint practices, but I like it. It's a nice change of pace scenery and you know, it's, it helps break up because training camp ends after this week and we go into the preseason schedule. Like it helps break that part up to where now it's like, all right, two weeks remaining, before they cut down the roster, what does this thing actually look like? What are people saying? And you can kind of take the temperature of the team in ways that you don't necessarily get to when you're at the facility every single day. As a, as a fan of it, you know, we all love when the, when the training camp fights break out all until, unless Aaron Donald's involved. That's what I always say. You don't want a training camp fight with Aaron Donald involved. That means a helmet's being swung at somebody. Do you remember that from last year where it was like, Oh man, are you going to suspend him? And it's like, no. No, we're not going to suspend him. He's he's the uh, face Miles Garrett, like for the Mason Rudolph crime that uh, you know him like whacking him with a helmet. Um, how many game suspension was that? Uh, he got he was gone. I think he he, he finished the season suspended. And I think he had to serve a little bit in the next season. I think it's because Aaron Donald didn't make contact because he yeah. would have murdered somebody. Um, yeah. Like that's what you're worried about when these things get heated, which again is why I bring back the one that we saw last night, like the mini skirmish. I don't really read much into it. I honestly think it's like guys get tripped up and then it's, Oh, you hit our quarterback. We're going to yeah. you up now. Like it's some of it's overblown, but it really does show you how I think that that stuff's good in terms of like the team camaraderie element and it's football. So you expect that stuff to happen, but there is, you know, the bears have been tame when it comes to that. Like, I'm not saying anything that they're soft or anything like that. I think the coaches would prefer it look like this, but it's not, it's kind of a non-issue with this team. Like, my favorite, my favorite thing is like, there. I want to say it was, I want to say it was Kelsey's podcast that he does with his brother. And he was like, I, I'll never understand it, but we all do it. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Why do we punch people with helmets on? Oh, my God. <laughs> I saw a linebacker. Actually, funny story, a little Bears tie-in here. So in 2019, Avion Collins, who at that time, I think he was a second-year player out of TCU. So he was with the Vikings. He was like, you know, trying to back up swing tackle role. And this guy, Devontae Downs, who was a sixth or seventh-round linebacker from Cal, Got into a scuffle, and Avian Collins is a massive individual. He's huge. Yeah. Uh, in games here for the Bears, the second string and third string offensive line. Um, Devontae Downs punches him in the helmet, and guess what happens? He breaks his hand. Like, don't do that. Like, it's just common sense. Like, <laughs> object meeting, like, immovable force. It, <laughs> It's not going to end well. And I and I, I know that guys get heated and all of that, but like punch them in the stomach if you're going to do anything. Don't break your freaking hand for something that's like so benign. These scuffles end up dying down. Guys dap each other up. Everybody's good after a while. Like don't set yourself back before the season even begins by trying to be all macho out there punching people with helmets on. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I never understand it, but all football players are just like, I don't know. Like the fact that Kelsey was just like, I don't get it either, but like you got to. Like if somebody, like we just saw Travis Kelsey do that in camp this this year. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's always dumb, but it's always, it, listen, it's football. It, it is uh, it is violent and it is entertaining and we all. Third quarter. 
Uh, let's keep this thing moving right along. Let's head into the third quarter. Appreciate you guys for showing love. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Make sure you drop a burden in the comments below. Courtney, we got a lot of questions on this team as far as uh, guys who are backs against the wall or just uh, kind of going through the motions in practice, I should say. Uh, let's start it off here. Nate Davis. Um he didn't leave us feeling good. Our podcast on Tuesday, we both talked about kind of how, you know, at the end of the day, you you basically created more speculation than not. Uh, J-Max said he didn't get a chance to put eyes on him. Did you see Nate Davis out there? We heard he was in pads. Did. Was, he, was he doing anything serious in pads or was he kind of standing on the sidelines? So I saw him like, and there were some conflicting things because like we all saw him warming up. He was in pads. That would have been his first time in pads with the Bears because he yeah. had three practices before yesterday. Um, and I, I, it might have been for only a couple reps. I know that I saw him out there during some portion of team work, but Jatari Carter was getting mo- like nearly all the eleven on eleven reps. So it's it's clear that Nate Davis is in this ramp up period. How long is it going to take? Like if he's not out there tonight, if this is still kind of the same limited work, then you know I guess it's an encouraging sign that at least he's out there in pads, but you know, when is it, what is it going to take? And I'm curious to hear from Matt Eberflus about, you know, what are those next steps? Like what does Nate Davis need to do to be able to get himself in there full time? Because they, they, they need him out there. And it's not that Jatari Carter has done anything, um, you know, to, to not make his case, you know, that he will be, a you know, he's doing a good job, all things considered. He was a late round draft pick. He's been, he's thrown into this. He's the third string right guard. You know, Lucas Patrick is still on ice right now dealing with an injury. Like they're making the best of this that they can, but it would help to have Nate Davis in there. And the fact that he was back in pads leads you to believe that he's closer versus where he was like last week to actually getting back. Lucas Patrick is another name I wanted to bring up that I thought was interesting because I listen, we, we've all talked about this, your best abilities, availability. Mm-hmm. Are we heading toward a point where uh, Jatari Carter could be our second string ta- our right guard? Like he's played well enough to tell you that he can play the NFL game. But it doesn't feel like Lucas Patrick has a lot of longevity in being healthy right now. It's tough because he didn't start off on the right foot last year with like injuries at the beginning of camp. He comes back and he hurts himself again. He's out for the rest of the year after that Patriots game, like a lot of really bad injury luck. And sometimes there's nothing you can do about it as a player. Sometimes it's just the nature of the position you play puts yourself in a more vulnerable position where you get hurt. And so I feel bad for Lucas Patrick because they need, well, for, for him, you know, he came here from Green Bay. It was his first like big, you know, big ish contract. You know, he was an undrafted guy, I want to say. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's an undrafted guy from Duke. Like, he, you know, worked his ass off to get a role in Green Bay. And then he gets the deal to come down here to join up with, um, yeah, he, was, he is undrafted. I was right on that. Like, to come down here to work with Luke, with Luke Getze to, you know, be the starting center on this team. And then the injuries happen. Like, it's unlucky, but if if these things persist, then yeah, Jatari Carter, when Nate Davis gets back, because at least we're seeing him in pads and he's on the path to doing that, Jatari Carter would be their second string right guard. 
And, the, and these reps are invaluable for someone like that because he's not going to get them if Nate Davis is healthy during the year. So he might as well get them now so he can, you know, build off of that. It's, it's so crazy to, to be be at that point, right, when where we were with Lucas Patrick a year ago. Mm-hmm. It felt like the Bears were building this offensive line for him to be kind of that veteran leadership, right? It was even to the point where we were like, well, I guess Cody Whitehair is just moving the heck out of the way. And, and this is going to be Lucas Patrick's offensive line. Now it just – it feels like he's – especially seeing him at camp, how excited he was, how, how much energy he brought to that line. It just feels like he's on the outside looking in yeah. too often it's, for me. It's no fault of his own. I mean, the injuries yeah. happen, mm-hmm. but if he doesn't get healthy, then, yeah, that's a very realistic possibility. Uh, any concern that, uh, right now with some of the guys that still are not participating? Yesterday we had Jaquan Brisker, Chase Claypool, Tremaine Edmonds, Lucas Patrick, like we just talked about, Tristan Ebner, Blackwell, uh, DeMarquis Gates. Any concern on any of those names possibly lingering right now? Uh, because we've seen some guys be out for a while now. Yeah, and I think that like the the thing they keep telling us about Tremaine Edmonds is that there's no question he'll be ready for week one. So that leads you to think, okay, probably soft tissue injury. They're playing it smart August 17th versus what they're going to do during the game week. And I honestly think that that's probably the same thing with Chase Claypool. I would not be surprised if they slow play this with Claypool because we know that like hamstring injuries, especially with wide receivers, um, you know, it's, it's a thing that like you just don't want to have persist and keep coming back and nagging and then it costs you more time. If he doesn't play the rest of the preseason, I would not be shocked. Um, but that's just basing it on what I know about those sorts of injuries and how teams typically handle them. The one that like, you know, something we haven't talked about that we're now seeing back for the first time is Demarcus Walker. And I know what I said earlier was like, you know, just kind of what uh, Alan Williams said that, you know, he didn't notice him all that much, but he was out there. That's going to be good to watch, you know, hopefully today to get to see more action from him paired with unique and Gakwe. What does, what do those ends look like? Because we have seen the rotation and it will continue to be a rotation, but like, how are they going to use both of them? he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. So that'll be good to watch him get out there and, you know, establish himself a little bit and what that pass rush can look like with, with it at full force at full strength um, rather like what it looks like with those two in there. I think my only concern right now with Claypool is even today, right in the 1920 drive again, check that out. A lot of, a lot of good nuggets in there. If you guys uh, haven't had a chance to look at that, uh, especially on the offensive side for Justin Fields, that's on the Chicago bears, YouTube channel, uh, I believe it's on their website as well, so tune in with that. But the the thing, Darnell Mooney said this, and we saw it last season. My only concern with Claypool is, even though he's already built up this relationship, Darnell said, if you're not out there, he's just is not giving you the ball. If you're you're not somebody that's working with him on a consistent basis, Justin is not giving you the ball. Now, a ton of work in the offseason with Claypool. On trust, like this is the guy that you want. He's not going to just throw you open because you think you can get open. Yeah, that's a really like that's a really important thing that you pointed out there because Mooney's right, and there's a reason that he'll lock in. Sometimes it feels like he's locking in on DJ Moore, he's locking in on Cole Komet because he's built the most trust with those guys. He's built you know a repertoire with them, and and even with Mooney too. I mean, I remember when when before Mooney was even back out there, he's like, I have no concern about that. We you had enough time on task the last two seasons, but that could be a thing. You don't want it to develop into a thing, but that could be a thing with Chase Claypool. If he's not out there, 
how far behind the eight ball are they when he is able to get back out there? Because that could limit his production in this offense. Because if, if Fields is a quarterback that has to trust what he sees before releasing the football, then then you might not be as big a big part of the game plan. Because I mean, we saw it last year too. Like you know, they didn't have much time to work together in season. They're learning like Chase Claypool is learning the offense on the fly. Justin Fields still like growing through it, yeah. and. The result of that was a measly, you know, 10, however many catches he had because there just was not that trust factor built up between Fields and the guy who was supposed to be his go-to weapon. And we we didn't see it with anyone last season outside of – at a certain point, it was just EQ and Darnell. When Darnell got hurt, it was like, all right, I got seven passes for you, EQ. This is what you're getting. And that's our offense, right, and Cole Komet. So I I do believe that – and now listen, they were able to get work in in the offseason. They were able to get work in uh, down in Florida before training camp, and they got in good work, I think, early on in training camp. But it, there is that, right, like if he doesn't play at all in the preseason, how long is it going to be until we see Chase Claypool be a real part of this offense that Justin Fields trusts, right? Are we going to be week two, week three, week four, right? Like that's an impact for a guy who's in a contract year this season, yeah. and he talks about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's – Again, like right now, I feel like the smart thing to do with anybody who has a nagging injury is to slow play it to make sure that it's healed so you're not like losing that time and season that's so precious and valuable. But he's the pressure's on Chase Claypool. Like yeah. he knows that. I mean, I remember when he was talking about it earlier in the preseason when he's like, Well, if anybody's questioning my work ethic, they don't like they don't see what I'm doing behind the scenes and what he's doing behind the scenes now will prove whether that's a true statement because for him to be able to get back out there when he's healthy and to show there isn't much drop off, that's, that's what is going to help like kind of win people over in the chase Claypool camp versus, you know, like kind of what it is right now where it's still like, man, like there's all this potential, but he's not out there. How is that going to hinder things going forward? Surprisingly enough, he's not a social media wide receiver as uh, Justin Herbert was dubbed last year being a social media quarterback, which he didn't do himself any favors by losing in the first round. I just, that, that, was a, that was a silent shot. I don't even know why I brought that one up, but I just, I, I don't know, man. Justin Herbert continuing that uh, Philip Rivers legacy of heartbreaking losses in the last minute. Uh, let's get into the fourth quarter here. Fourth quarter. As uh, we want to talk about some standouts, of course, we know DJ Moore, Justin Fields, you know, those guys. But were there guys who, you know, kind of you didn't know coming into camp if they were going to be a part of this team, if they were going to be a big part of this team that we're seeing stand out in these joint practices? I know Micah Bakersville was one that stood yeah. out in the, in the in the preseason game. Have we seen some of those guys kind of continue into this joint practice? That was somebody who I was going to bring up. He stood out last night. Um, he picked off Gardner Minshew inside the low red zone during the um, during the second team second team units. Uh, we're going up against each other in that situation drill, and I think for somebody like that undrafted guy, undrafted linebacker out of LSU, I mean, you just don't hear about that many guys playing linebacker from LSU making it to the league. So yeah. good for him. Um, and, you know, right now there's an opportunity because Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds, obviously he's your top linebacker of that unit, but he's out. So finding ways to crack this depth chart, you know, could it be him and a Demarcus Gates 
battling for a spot. I mean, DeMarcus is not playing right now. And I don't know how big of a, that, a position battle that would be for people to watch, but like, it's more just, Hey, this guy's making plays kind of like what we saw from Braylon Trahan back in the beginning part of training camp. And then he had, I think a pick last week too. So seeing those things in training camp, like more like the lesser known side, I would say, again, I'm going to go back to Valus for him to bounce back. He needed yesterday. Like I remember walking away being like, good for him. Like I bet he feels good right now because the pass that he caught down the sideline in uh, with the second team offense during 11 on 11. And then the one that he caught uh, inside the five yard line from fields during that situation drill, like that's good for him to build some confidence that, you know, I'm not just a gadget play guy. I can still show off my speed in this offense. And hopefully in his, for his sake, that he's proving to coaches that, you know, he can still do a lot because you haven't, you haven't seen a whole ton from Dante Pettis and like, that's his main competition for punt return. Um, but how are they going to decide that final spot at receiver? You know, if, if he can show some more things in training camp, like he did yesterday, that's great, but they got to be able to trust him that it's not just like a flash in the pan and he's going to fumble the ball away. He fumbled three times last year and he muffed two punts. So like, those are things that will cost you your job, no matter if you're a third round pick or, you know, whatever, they're still giving him every opportunity to shine though. And I think that he probably felt pretty good by the time yesterday was over that he was kind of able to flush what happened on Saturday and move past it. Also wanted to hit on this. Uh, did, did how's Darnell Mooney looking out there? Does he look like he's back in full form now at this point? Because we saw, of course, in the one-on-one drills, right? Like you can't take too much away from it. But the one thing that I do take away from it is it looks like his speed's pretty much back. That's what I noticed. Like his speed looks like it's back. And this is somebody who had an ankle injury, you know, surgically repaired ankle that he was going to have anyways. He said he was planning to have the tightrope surgery on his left ankle and then he just happened to break it. So, you know, I, it worked out. It sucks, but it worked <laughs> out at least for what his plan was. And it's coming in and out of breaks and how fast he's able to like what that burst looks like yeah. that I remember we were watching when he was doing some rehab work uh, before he was up to doing full team reps uh, during training camp early on, earlier in August. So it, it does look like that's back with him. Um, I think the timing between him and fields last night was just a little off, but that's okay. I mean, again, like they'll get there. They, they have so much time on task together that that's really not the group that you worry about too much. But I do think that with Mooney and the health, like he's on the right track to being able to sustain that. Of course, uh, we when we have Courtney on, we have to have our uh, annual backup quarterback talk. Uh, is it, I heard PJ Walker did not look good yet again. Did, Ty, did we see anything from Badgett that might that's be making him up? Nothing crazy. Nothing that stood out. I think that PJ Walker has had a rough camp. Like there's no <laughs> okay. denying that. And it's it's tough to see because they, you know, they brought him in thinking, okay, this is a better fit behind Justin Fields. If Fields has to miss time, he's missed time his first two seasons. And right now, you don't have a lot of confidence that if they had to go to him in games, that it would look good. But I will – I keep going back to that one throw he had yesterday. Like, that was a nice redemption moment for him, but it's one throw, the one to yeah. Vales Jones. Yeah. So, I I do worry about what – that like, you know, the depth on this team and the depth at an important position. It doesn't look great right now, but how they end up splitting up those reps in the preseason, 
maybe Tyson, maybe he ends up getting more. I mean, they, they clearly like the kid. He was a D2 yeah. product who, you know, caught on at the Super Bowl with Luke Getze, and they brought him here for a reason. I remember thinking it was such a long shot that he was going to be even a part of the team in the time we saw him at the beginning of minicamp, rookie minicamp. I he's practice squad. Like there's no doubt in my mind that if they're going to keep somebody, I think he is a wonderful practice squad candidate for this team that they would let Nathan Peterman, you know, I don't think they'll keep two quarterbacks on the uh, practice squad roster, but this week could, I mean, this week in theory could always blow up, blow open competition for any position, but as of right now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm real curious to see like what Matt Eberflus thinks about PJ Walker as a backup because we, there's nothing that leads you to believe right now. Yeah, this is a viable option. There's nothing. There yeah. really isn't. And, you know, that's not a great sign. And and when you open up, I, be, I believe what I heard is he opened up practice pretty much the same way that he opened up his his uh, uh, preseason game with a deep shot over the middle of the ends and an interception. Yeah. That's, 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 just like, that's, it's, just, it's just like, what are you seeing out there? Because, you know, this guy is used to throwing a DJ Moore. Um, yeah. And it could just be that he's not adjusting to the personnel that's in the game or in whatever situation in practice, but I um, I don't think the Bears can be feeling pretty good about that one. How do you think they're feeling with the wide receiver depth right now, just in case, right, that uh, uh, Chase Claypool, you know, isn't able to work his way in there? Do you think we're yeah. still feeling like that's one of the stronger units on this It team? is. I mean, because DJ Moore can make up for things in a lot of different areas, and he's going to be such a huge part of this offense. Tyler Scott, if he can put together another couple like really, you know, strong days of camp the way that we've seen. I know that he was a little down on himself for um he had a he had a decent um preseason game against Tennessee. He was down on himself. I think he coughed up a ball uh yeah. early on. But like and I talked to him afterwards. You know, I think punt return for him is what he's really trying to zero in on. If, he made an interesting comment. He's like, I'm not trying to be DJ Moore. And you know, for a rookie, it's like, man, you try to shoot for the stars and you've got this guy as an example, but it's also, hey, I'm a rookie. I'm trying to learn this offense. Like, don't put yeah. too much. I'm not going to put too much on my plate as I'm trying to do this for real. So, you know, I think right now they're in a good spot. Um, the Claypool thing is certainly one to keep an eye on, but you don't want to hit the panic button just yet because right. this could just be more precautionary than, you know, like maybe shutting him down for the rest of the preseason is the way to go to make sure you can ensure that health. Yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. But, hey, that's another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, drop a bear down, stop playing with us, leave a five-star review over on the podcast platform, Spotify, and or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we got anything else that uh, you want to leave us with, Courtney, going into tonight's practice that you want to see? I will say one of the coolest things that I've seen them do here for like everybody, media, fans, whatever, they have a PA announcer who announces like what the drills are, what period of practice we're going into, cool. what's next. Like the average fan doesn't know what some of these things are. And like, yeah. you know, the really casual fans, like what's 11 on 11, what's seven on seven, what's, you know, what are the individual drills? So I, I really appreciate like the way the setup down here, I feel like a lot of teams can, you know, learn from how the Colts are doing this and apply it to like what they do in training camp. I thought that was really neat yesterday to see that. You, you, you don't want just the air horn to let us know, you know, <laughs> that we're going heading to another drill and then just like, I feel like I barely even hear it, but it's, um, it was, they have a good setup here for the fans to be able to know what is going on in training camp practice. 
Hey, get on that, Bears. Come on now. We can do better. We're, we're the charter franchise. Let's get this thing together. Hey, but that's another addition. Y'all stay safe out there. For Courtney Cronin, I'm Pat the Designer. We'll be back with more coverage tomorrow of joint practice and, of course, previewing the Colts game. It's a Bears football Friday coming up. We'll see you guys then. Right on. Peace. Thank you.